0: listeners. My name is Arno and I'm the founder of Revelator Studio. Welcome to The Truth is Golden Podcast. This show is about creative minds and the secret sauce behind their success. It is for people who are interested to learn about creativity and its potential to make the world a better place. In this episode, I'm talking to Jamie Derringer, founder of the online blog, Design Milk. We talked about growing up in New Jersey, starting a business without expertise and the therapeutic value of a regular art practice. So Jamie, thanks for being on the show. Uh, I'd like you to start with telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: So um, my name is Jamie Derringer and I have a website, an online magazine called Design Milk and I also operate um, a couple of other websites. We have an online magazine for dog lovers who love modern design too and that's called Dog Milk. And then I have an online or an e-commerce shop called Adorn Milk that sells modern jewelry. A podcast called Clever, where we interview designers. And on the side, I'm an artist and a mom. Um, Yeah.
0: That's a good start. So can you tell us where you grew up?
1: Sure. I grew up in Southern New Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. So everybody always asks me, oh, right near New York. And I'm like, no, there's a whole other part of New Jersey that's many hours away from New York. So we were down um, near Philadelphia and uh, we had a house at the shore and I went to Catholic school, then public high school, which was crazy going from one to another. And then I went to... Uh, Maryland for college. I went to Loyola for a couple of years. I majored in English and communications. But while I was there, I took a class in Japanese language and I fell in love with that. So I started researching other schools where I could actually major in Japanese. And that was really Difficult to find, so I found a bunch of schools where I could study what's called Asian studies. So it's like all the different cultures and languages of of Asia. And so, um, luckily, I ended up at Temple, which is right in Philadelphia. So near my hometown. So I was able to move back home and commute to temple. And so I completed a couple of years at temple and actually got a degree in Asian studies with a focus on Japanese language and culture. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my
0: life. (laughs) No clue. So what was next?
1: Well, I figured I'll end up being either, I'll end up getting like some crazy cool international travel job where I'm like, you know, all around the world doing things or I'll end up being a barista. So I just
0: hope something would come along. So you obviously didn't end up becoming a barista.
1: I didn't. And I didn't end up traveling the world as much as I think I would like to. So I ended up getting a job in project management. And that was actually kind of cool because turns out I'm pretty good at being a project manager, which I didn't really know. I mean, I've always been kind of organized and I'm always on time, you know, very deadlines are important to me. So I think it worked out really well because I kind of discovered that that's one of my superpowers. I don't really have too many. (laughs) I'm kind of just okay at a lot of different things, but I'm pretty good at being a project manager. So uh, I did that for 10 years and I did it in the medical and pharmaceutical industries. So completely different than Japanese, completely different different than what I'm doing now. But there was a lot of really great skills that I learned over that course of those 10 years that I was able to kind of bring over to design milk.
0: So So can you speak a little more to how that experience uh, shaped you and uh, helped you with what you're doing today? Yeah. So I did a lot in publishing.
1: So I started out doing like a lot of print publishing pieces and, um, some events coordination, things like that. Uh, and then eventually I moved over into the online, um, the web space. Uh, I was still doing events and still doing print, but then online became kind of the main thing that I was doing. And I learned a lot about marketing, about advertising. I I learned a lot about the internet and how things kind of work there. And I also learned how to work with teams. Um and I learned that some teams don't really work and other kinds of teams work really well. So when I um started running Design Milk as my main job, it was really only me in the beginning. Um but as it grew and as I brought team members on, you know, I it, it was easy for me to uh it was not easy for me to delegate because I'm type A and I want to control everything, so that was like a, a thing that like took me a while to to get but I think being able to manage a bunch of different people and having all the articles that we do now with all the social media um, and all the things going on that we're working on, um, it kind of comes naturally to me um, to manage those things a little bit more easily, I guess, than if I didn't have all that experience.
0: Very interesting. I recently discovered or figured out that managing is different from leading. And, uh, when you are in someone like you in your position, you have to lead people more than manage them. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, you do. Um, I mean, I still have to manage people, but it's not, I guess it's not in the same way maybe than if everybody is working on the same exact thing. Um, cause when you're working on one project and everybody's doing parts of that project, I think there's a little bit more interaction between those people. But for us, like, you know, we have some people are writing things, some people are doing advertising sales and some people are doing social media, but they're all different things. So like sometimes they don't have any communication between each other and like what one of them does doesn't really affect necessarily affect the other one. Um, So in a sense, it's great because we can kind of work all over the place. You know, my team's kind of everywhere um, and they all kind of work from wherever they want. You know, most of us work from home. But, um, what was more important for me besides the management of that, because I, I had so much experience in that, but that was a little easier for me was the leading part. Like that didn't really come naturally to me and still doesn't. But I think one of the things that's really important about design milk and about me and, and the way that I, I, I run the site is like. It still kind of all goes through me. I'm still a bottleneck. I still want to, to, you know, approve all of the things that we feature on the site, because for me, like the site, number one, I have like so much integrity and I want the site to have that integrity. Um, I really believe in design. I believe in good design. Um, and I want to share it with people in a way that I want, I would want to have have had it shared to me because I'm not a designer. I don't come from a design background. So, you know, when we started, or when I started the site, I was writing for me, you know, the average person coming from, you know, a consumer perspective from design. And I think that's why it, it got as popular as it did because I wasn't really getting esoteric about it. I wasn't really getting preachy about it. Um, and I was just laying it out um, and appealing to the average person. So, I think in the sense of leading, like I've set a vision for like how I want the site to be. And then I, I expect that everybody that works with me will follow that vision, but leading is, is not an easy thing to do. Um,
0: I'm hoping
1: I'm leading by example because I work really hard and I'm hoping that the team realizes like how hard I work to make this site, you know what it is. And, and they, they work really hard too.
0: So. leading is certainly not an easy task um but it's something that can be learned as well i think the best way to lead like you just said is to lead by example mm-hmm. just uh you mentioned integrity earlier i think that's a very important quality to have especially when there's people that follow you mm-hmm. uh and you also mentioned the you writing for yourself uh, so more for a layman base, so to speak, if that's fair right. to say. Yeah. Um, Can you speak to those two things, the high level of integrity and writing for humans, whether they've been part or not of the success of design milk? And why do you think that would be the case?
1: Mm, that's a, uh, I don't know how to answer that question. I certainly didn't set out for this thing to be successful. This is something I did on the side while I worked at a regular job that I thought was going to be my career. Um, And I think I got to a point at that job where I was like, I don't want to take this to the next level. Like I don't want my boss's job. I don't want her boss's job. Like there's nothing left here for me. And because I was working on design milk on the side, it was just really like pulling me in that direction. And I kept thinking like, how can I, make this thing become like a legitimate job opportunity for me. So I I focused a lot of energy on that in the beginning. So I really didn't think like, uh, I didn't think of it as becoming successful in the sense of like looking at it from an outsider perspective and saying like, Oh, it's a successful website. I was just thinking, how can I just make this my job? Like my everyday thing that I do and how can I just support me or me and my, you know, um, bring money to the household, like in as much money as I was making at my regular job, so that was really my initial goal was just to like support myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And so that necessity to basically make money to ensure your 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 and your family's survival, so to speak, has that ever turned at some point into something bigger, bigger than yourself, or it's always kind of grown organically? Well, both. I mean, it's
1: grown organically and we've been very lucky in that sense. I mean, we certainly work incredibly hard to make it grow. Um, but I, I, I did have, well, you know, I might backtrack a little bit and say like, I might've had a little bit of a vision for the site. Like, I guess I had the foresight to think it was going to grow beyond myself because I never really put myself on the website and I never associated, Myself with Design Milk in the beginning, like for the first couple of years, it was anonymous, and I, I don't necessarily think that was because I wanted it to be this big thing where like it looked like a big corporation or something. But I, I think it, that was just more like I don't want my boss to find out I'm blogging like <laughs> at work, <laughs> and so I didn't want them to like Google me and find out that I was doing this other thing. But then like at some point I was like, okay, I'm gonna put my face and my name on my website. However, I don't want this to be the Jamie Derringer show. I want this to be design milk. I want it to be a thing that's like its own because Jamie Derringer is not very interesting. Like my life is not exciting. I never wanted to be a lifestyle blogger. I never wanted myself to be like the star of this show, so to speak. So I kind of, I didn't anonymize design milk after that. I mean, I still put my name on it, um, but I really separated me from the site thinking that maybe it will one day grow. And I think mm-hmm. that came a little bit later. So like the vision for the site growing maybe came not after I quit my job, but maybe like right before I quit my job.
0: I see. So design mill has been around for about 11 years, if I'm correct. Yep. Where do you see it going in the next 10, 15, 20 years? And and do you have a vision or you're still kind of going with the flow?
1: Well, in this day and age, you kind of have to do both, right? Because going with the flow is part of being on the internet. The internet changes so quickly within weeks, months, you know, sometimes days. Uh, Things can change very quickly. So you have to be able to be flexible and adaptable. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when social media comes, when new social media comes out, like we're on top of it or, you know, responsive or mobile websites, like we're, you know, we have that. So we just kind of make sure that as things start to become popular, that we have a way of delivering our website in whatever way the readers want to digest it. And like before it was all about the website and now it's, you know, we're, we're kind of operating in all these little silos. Like some people never get to the website. They just stay on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever. So, you know, we're trying to find new ways to reach people in whatever way that they're digesting content on the, on the internet. So, you know, my, part of my vision for the site. And I don't have a, I don't have anything past a year. (laughs) Um, five years sounds crazy long to me because it's like 50% of the time we've been operating and so much has changed in, in that five years. Right. Um, so I think in the next year, like we're just going to do what we're doing, but we're also going to be adding some more exciting stuff. We've got more live events happening, like in-person things, and we've got some um, more videos that are going to be coming out. Uh, We, you know, we launched the podcast like two years ago um, or a year and a half ago, and and that's doing really well. So we're just kind of focusing our energies um, on growing slow and steady, like we've always done. We don't want to be like you know, the first person to do something or take lots of investment money and like go from zero to 60. Like we just want to be chugging along and doing our thing. Um, so I, I really don't have a vision past this year. I just, you know, my, (laughs) sometimes I say to myself like, Oh, we're going to be online for another year. Everybody's got a job for one more year. That's awesome. And sometimes it's just like that because Mm -hmm. the internet is so crazy and fickle and like, you could be like hot shit, like last year. And then this year, like nobody cares about you anymore. So it's just a matter of like keeping afloat, but also like knowing kind of where things are going.
0: (laughs) That makes sense. So what's your big vision for this coming year? Now that we literally just stepped into 2018, I guess that's appropriate to talk about that.
1: Yeah. I, well, like I said, we're going to just do a slow and steady growth, but, um, our, our big focus is video, but we're still like the website is still really important to me. Um, and the articles we write are really important, but you know, people are not always reading articles on the website anymore. Some are watching videos, some are reading on Facebook. So I think what I'm hoping to do is just make sure that we continue to reach everybody. Um, that's always my job is to just make sure we're, you know, we've got eyeballs on information, um, and we're able to get people to share that information with other people. Cause that's been huge. I mean, our growth was like word of mouth in the beginning, mm-hmm. whatever that translates to on the internet, I guess it's like shares or something forwards. words. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, my vision is more video cause it's just fun and fun to look at and fun to watch. Um, and it's a new Avenue that challenges me. I'm the kind of person that likes A new challenge Um, maybe takes on too much too soon sometimes so i decided that this year my only challenge would be like understanding how video works how people you know watch it um just in general
0: okay does that mean you will start producing your own videos
1: Well, we have been, we've been doing videos slowly over the past couple of years, but we were doing them very sporadically in the beginning. And Mm -hmm. now we're more focused on having something that's a little more regular, uh, that people can, you know, kind of depend on or, you know, look forward to So more series, um, you know, more regular series, more regular features like that. And those would be, you know, distributed throughout all the social media and also on our website and stuff. But yeah, it's really fun to learn something new. I mean, even when we started the podcast, that was all new to me too. Like just understanding how audio works and like working with an editor and all of that stuff. So that was a really fun new um, project. So now my new thing is how do I figure out how to learn video?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. So speaking of the podcast, you said it's been around for a couple of years. Um, is that a, an offshoot of Design Milk or is it something completely it's separate.
1: Its so it's, so technically it's separate. Clever is a podcast that is, um, co-owned, co-operated by myself and Amy Devers, who's a designer, um, who's, uh, really awesome, um, and super talented. And so we kind of got together at some point and we're like, this would be so much fun to try. Like, why, why wouldn't we try it out? And, you know, I, I thought a design Milk podcast would be great, but I, Amy's looks so great to work with. She brings so much to the podcast. It it just doesn't make sense for it to be the design Monk podcast because I want clever to kind of do its own thing. Maybe clever will grow in a different way. And maybe, you know, um, It'll do more different things than what I've got going on at Design Milk. So we decided to completely separate it. However, I use Design Milk as a vehicle for promotion because we're talking to all kinds of designers on the podcast. The whole goal is to talk to creative people. So it just makes sense that Design Milk would support that endeavor.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I want to backtrack a little bit uh, back to young Jamie. And can you speak (laughs) to a little bit what you were like as a kid and uh, what kind of family you grew up in?
1: Yeah. Um, I grew up in like a normal suburban family, mom, dad, me. I was an only child for eight years and my brother came along, um, and he had some complications. So I was kind of an only child for a while, even after he was born. Um, but I was, pretty capable of entertaining myself <laughs> um but i ended up being very introverted but my brain was like very creative and always kind of thinking of imaginary situations or scenarios and and doing a lot of play um and also my i had a uh, why well, still have a nana <laughs> my nana uh was very um she's eccentric And she used to take me to the art store all the time and she would encourage me to like buy a different kind of, um, I guess medium every time. So I've done everything from paints to drawing and I did embroidery and cross stitch and knitting and crochet and just pretty much everything I could get my hands on calligraphy. I used to do all of that stuff growing Mm -hmm. up. Um, and even some music stuff, like I had some keyboards around the house and everything. So I was always really creative, but for some reason I didn't end up really fostering that as a job, I guess it was because I didn't think you could get a job doing anything artistic. Um, and I started out in English and communications because I thought, well, you know, I like to write. Um, I like creative writing. I like storytelling. So I thought, well, maybe I could do some sort of publishing job or, you know, maybe I could write poems and publish books or short stories and then work at a publisher or something like that. So I started out my major in English and communications before I switched over to Asian studies. Um, Um, but yeah, I was always creative. I just never channeled it into anything super artistic. And then in 2006, I started drawing just because I just needed to, I don't know, there was like something that needed to get out of my body (laughs) and my brain. Um, and so I just started drawing and, uh, I've been making art ever since then. 2006 was a big year for me. I started design milk and I started drawing. So that was like my, my year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, we're glad it happened. <laughs> that's <am> for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so that's very interesting. Um, and and we can start drawing parallels and how that might have influenced the rest of your career. Was there anything you wanted to be growing up that was really pressing and you knew you wanted to do that?
1: I, I really wanted to write. Okay. Um, I think from a very early age, I wanted to write the other things I wanted to be were a little bit more ridiculous, but could have happened. Like I wanted to be a backup dancer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to be a paleontologist, you know, I, I wanted to be um, all kinds of a musician. I wanted to be in a band. I mean, those were things that I mean, could have been realistic, but really like, I guess I didn't have, didn't really put enough energy into all of those things, but I wrote a lot and I wrote all through high school, all through college. I was the editor of the literary magazine in high school and in college. Um, so a lot of the, that publishing was just in my blood. Uh, so online publishing was just like this door when it opened for me, I was like, Holy crap. You know, like, this is my jam.
0: Yeah. You just circle back to things you've touched on your whole life, basically, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is very,
1: it's not my first online magazine. (laughs)
0: I started, yeah,
1: I started an online magazine a couple years, um, prior to design milk called Betty and it was about women, um, written by women. So it was like short stories written by women. And that was like a subscription based online magazine. And this was like super early. I can't even remember like what kinds of websites were up and operating at that point, but it must've been like 2003 or I don't know.
0: Is Betty still around?
1: No. (laughs) I might be able to dig up like an old Betty logo, but that's about it.
0: That would be interesting to see. Um <laughs> so you talked a lot about being creative. Um do you have a creative process and what is it like?
1: Oh well, with design milk, it's less creative now because I'm doing a lot of the management stuff, and mostly my I would say eighty percent of my job is just emailing, <laughs> which is not glamorous at all um so I really don't have as much of a creative process with that, but I do have like a process in which I evaluate work that comes through my um our inbox like submissions and stuff so you know, one of my big criteria is, have I seen it before? Where have I seen it? You know, what materials are you using? What methods are you using? And is there a real story to what you're doing? Like what's the inspiration? And I know designers hate, um, when you ask them about their inspiration behind things, but sometimes there is a really fascinating story. So those are the things I use to evaluate our submissions. So that's really like the only creative process I have at at this point. Although a lot of the stuff, when we create like new things, like, um, events and things, there is a creative process that happens, but it's, it's not really like anything that to write home about. It's just kind of like thinking about things. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like me, just me going on a run and just like thinking, yeah. um, yeah. So I, what I do run to like relieve stress and it definitely helps me like get out any physical energy I have so that like I can use my brain, um, you know, when I'm ready to work, but for art, it's like a totally different process, but my art is totally different than my work. My art is kind of where I let myself do whatever I want. And I don't like, um, put any restrictions on myself and I try to break free from, being a type A, like control freak, um, super organized person (laughs) who just wants to draw straight lines. Um, and I've been like that my whole life. And so when I started making art, I think part of it was just to break me free from like this, like regimented, like stiff, um, box that I've put like everything I do into, um, to broaden my horizons and kind of get me out of that. And I think I, I used to be out of that. And then there was a point in my life where I like, like, I don't know, put more restrictions on myself or like told myself I can only do this or be this way or make these kinds of things. Um, and that was really tough. And so like I've used the art to kind of break out of that. And ever since then, I feel like I've really like mentally opened up and like just been a happier person and able to kind of embrace change a little bit better and not freak out when things go wrong. Um, so I think art has actually really helped me in my day-to-day life.
0: Well, that's great. You just answered my next question, which was the, oh. <laughs> the role of creativity in your well, work and life. Well, really I answer your question about creative process, but
1: I, I, I really don't have a specific process that I go through for that. There's just a lot of intuition. Um, my process is draw a line and then draw another line to react to that first line and everything kind of builds from that.
0: So it's more stream of consciousness.
1: Yeah. It's very intuitive and it's on purpose because I got to get like, I got to get out of my own head. Um, if I were, if I sat down and like planned something out and then tried to make it, I would always be disappointed. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I I don't ever set out with like a goal. Um, my only goal is just to have no goal.
0: <laughs> Do you exhibit at all?
1: Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm not super motivated as an artist. Um, I kind of just go with the flow uh, cause I really didn't anticipate it being a business. I mean, I am selling prints and I am selling originals and it's great. Um, but it's not my day to day job. So I guess I'm just a little lazier about it. And, um, but I like that because it gives me the opportunity to kind of make whatever I want.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. But you do put a fair amount of that art online. So what is the, <laughs> the response you get from showing it to at least some kind of online community?
1: It's been great. I mean, I have a really supportive group of friends and a, a really supportive community. Um, I have a lot of friends who are artists, and it's it's really wonderful to have those people to kind of just talk to every once in a while about how frustrated you are, because <laughs> as artists, like, mm-hmm. just get super frustrated sometimes and have to push through that. Um, so it's nice to have that community as well. But the reason I put my art out there was because I needed. It. I mean, it's mostly about accountability. Um, mm-hmm. which seems silly because at this point I don't need to be accountable, but like, that's how it started. It started as like, put it out there so you can just like own it. There's no reason to hide it anymore. Like I did it, I needed to show it out there to be okay with that, I guess, to be able to move forward. And now it's just kind of become a habit. And because there's such a great artist community, I like to participate in that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, uh, and I think it's it's great to put it out there as a form of ownership. One of my mentors says uh, you can't really own your own art until you sign it. Signing it is a is an act of responsibility taking responsibility for what you do. So I think yeah, that was like my signature was just to show people. Mm-hmm. I think it's important when you produce something to put it out there and and not worry about other people's opinion, but just to expose ourselves as as artists. Right.
1: Yeah. And I like to show the process too, like where I am in a piece and just say like, you know, be honest about it. Like I'm annoyed by this, or I'm frustrated by that, or I'm really excited about this because, you know, it, it felt like for a long time there, like everybody was always just showing finished product and there was no process. There was, nobody was talking about like, challenges of, of doing these things or like what might frustrate you. And it's just nice sometimes to, to, to do that and know, you know, to, to know that there are other people going through the same thing that you're going through. And that's how you kind of form relationships with other people is like, they see something that they also deal with. And then you kind of start a conversation and it goes from there. Um, so it's just nice to know you're not alone.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So what do you do when you're in a creative rut do you have tricks or a process that gets you in the right mind space
1: i have a couple of well one is i avoid it <laughs> <laughs> which is not doesn't ever work it doesn't ever work the the best thing i can do is push through it by just continuing to make stuff Sometimes I get, I keep doing that and it's still not working. So I just change it up. Like I'll use a completely different color than I normally would use or a different medium. Like I'll switch to markers or pastels or something like that. Um, or I will do something like I'll do something random because I just need to get out of that. It's almost like a cycle of sucking and then you're like, you have to like break the cycle. Um, and then once you do that, it kind of helps you open back up, um, to being creative. So that's really what I found. And then like running sometimes is really helps get out like any annoying energy that I have. Cause sometimes I'll get really frustrated and I'll, I'll get stressed out. And so I have to do something So working out is always really helpful for me as like getting out anger or frustration or stress.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And you're lucky to live in a place where you can run year round.
1: Yeah, yeah, we have it good here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you do. Where do you find inspiration? And and that goes back both to your art, but also the rest of your career. Like, are there particular places that you like to go-to or visit or online websites, anything like that? Hmm. So
1: for design milk, I get inspired by the people that make things. And I also get inspired when they tell me that, you know, I shared something on our site and they got a great response. That's something that keeps me going too but constantly seeing new design work is so inspiring. Like when we go to the trade shows, we just get so excited because we see so much good stuff and we get to see all the designers and talk to them. And it's so much fun to like do that in person thing because we live our lives and we do our work online all year. So like when we actually get to go out and talk to people, that's when we get really excited about it. And then we love collaboration. Like I am such a collaborative person. I appreciate competition. I think it's fantastic. It keeps everybody on their toes. Um, And it's really good for motivation, but I love collaboration too. So anytime I can talk to somebody and like come up with great ideas of ways we can collaborate that always like, I get super jazzed about it. Like I always come home from a work trip and like, I rattle off all these ideas to my husband. He's like, you need to calm down. (laughs) You have to pick one thing at a time. So yeah, I always get inspired when I have a chance to like talk to lots of people. And then for art, I would say I have lots of inspiration for my art, and it really depends on what it is. I'm totally inspired by Japanese calligraphy um, and the Japanese language and just Japanese culture. But on the flip side of that, I'm, I'm really inspired by nature and sci-fi and electronic music, just all kinds of things. Um, I mean, I could go on a trip and be inspired like right away, or I could walk out my front door. I have no idea.
0: (laughs) So pretty much everything in your life inspires you.
1: Well, I mean, you kind of have to look at that as, you know, you're digesting tons of images every day on the internet, but then when you go outside, you're looking at tons and tons of things, Mm -hmm. um, and you're processing all of that in your brain. And so, you know, sometimes it comes back up naturally and sometimes it comes back up, you know, um, like you, you think about something and then you try to make something inspired by that thing. Um, but I, I have a lot of subconscious, maybe it's subconscious inspiration because I'll be doing something and I'll be like, Oh, you know what? That reminds me of this thing that I
0: saw. Well, you and I certainly share that trait. I get inspired by so many random things and talking to people and coming up with new ideas. Collaborations is certainly something I understand Mm because I do it a fair bit myself. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. You mentioned sci-fi. Uh, what kind of sci-fi do you like?
1: <laughs> I like to, th- you know, it's funny. I, I'm not like a sci-fi nerd. Like I never really liked, you know, like I'm not into like Isaac Asimov or like or Asimov or whatever his name is, um, or like Dr. Who or anything like not a Star Trek person. But I like the idea of like creatures that we don't know about. Or, like, landscapes that we don't know about. So, like, just the idea of the unknown is really interesting to me. And because art is so... Like, you can do whatever you want, right? You can put a, you know, a head on a monkey body or something. Like, do whatever you want. These are things that don't exist mm-hmm. in real life, right? Yeah. Or in our our real life. So, really, like, anything that I make is kind of sci-fi because it's abstract and it comes from this, like, weird place in my brain. And it's not necessarily something that exists in real life. But I am inspired by the unknown. So, I'm also really inspired by, like, like under-the-sea creatures, like, deep ocean creatures. Like, the weird ones that walk on the bottom of the ocean that are, like like see-through or iridescent or Mm -hmm. i don't know like have all these weird tentacles and stuff so i just like the idea of like unknown creatures i (laughs) see it's such a bizarre thing to be inspired by but i really think about it a lot hey
0: it's the power of imagination right
1: yeah i mean i guess that's what it is
0: Uh, do you have any mentors
1: any mentors that I could say like, yes, this person is my mentor, but I have a lot of people in my life who constantly inspire me, um, who I, I wouldn't say like outright, like we sit down and they listen to me talk and then they give me advice. But throughout my career with design milk, um, and even with art, like I've just met so many wonderful people and there are certain things that like stick with you, like things that people have said to you over the years, they might not be a mentor like throughout your whole career. But like um, people have told me things that I'll never forget. And like those have changed the trajectory of what I've
0: done. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so going back to design milk, what, how would you describe the company culture? <laughs> That's
1: a really good question. So our logo is a milk carton. Um, and <laughs> we're kind of goofy. So I would say we are 50% serious about design, art, creation, sharing, architecture, all of those things. And 50% just a bunch of goofballs. (laughs) Um, I like to have fun and I think it's really important to do that. And so, you know, we have a lot of emails that go around between the team that are pun based. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we, we like to do a lot of puns. Our readers don't really like it. Like sometimes we try to do it. You know, in the title of an article, our readers like aren't into it, but like as a team we
0: we're we're kind of silly, so are you talking about like private Easter eggs almost or it...
1: um no, we haven't gone that far, but now i'm I'm gonna try to figure out how we could do that,
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you can challenge your readers to find them. Mm,
1: that's a cool idea,
0: you're welcome, <laughs> and so y- Well, tell us about the experience of starting a business in a field in which you might not have been an expert Uh, or didn't uh have a lot of experience.
1: Yeah. I don't care about that. Like, and I know that's like a weird thing to say, but like, unless it's something where you need a license or you need to be, you know, an apprentice, I don't see why you can't become something. Um, I don't know where I got that from in my life. I mean, of course, everybody's always told you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up, blah, blah, blah. But I really don't feel like there are barriers. And it's funny. I'm like just realizing this about myself right now as I have. So I'm having like um, a moment, but I don't know. I, I would say like if I had advice for somebody, I would just say, do it. Like there's no reason why you shouldn't start. I think it's really important to research like what you're doing to know what you're doing, you know? Um, to look at other people in the in the industry that you want to be in, see what they're doing. Um, and then it's just time. Uh somebody once said to me, like, I did an interview about design, and I was considered the expert. And this is kind of early on in design milk, but mm-hmm. I was like five years in at that point, I think. And somebody close to me said, Why would they ask you about design? How are you an expert? And I was like partially offended, but also partially like imposter syndrome where I was like, am I an expert? Oh my gosh, I'm not a designer. Like, how am I an expert? But then I was like, I've been doing this for five years and I'm one of the first people to ever do a design focused website. So like, maybe I am an expert.
0: (laughs) Well, you you definitely are now, but I was referring to the fact that you were not when you started out.
1: Right, but that's really interesting because I wasn't at all. And then over time with all of the experience, like like I still don't think I'm like the expert, right? I mean, I'm 11 years in and I'm certainly not. Because I I never went to design school. I don't know how to design. I don't know. I never was formally educated on the history of design. So every time I see something, I have to learn about it, but I also have to learn about it in the context of where it came from and mm-hmm. who came before and who, you know, who is their contemporaries and all of that. So I'm still approaching this from someone who, who doesn't know. Um, and I think that's partially like the beauty of the site is it's still like a bunch of us who just love design and we just want to share it. Mm-hmm. So it still kind of feels true to like the original vision of the site. Um, uh, but at this point we, we were able to curate the site because we've seen things that have come before, um, for the past 11 years. So we've, we're definitely like more of an experts than we used to be, but I still wouldn't say like, I'm some sort of expert on design. I don't know. I feel like if there's somebody who wants to do something and they love it and it's a passion, I would just say, just go right, go for it. Cause for me, like I didn't really start out this website to become a business or become the one thing I do for my life or even become an expert in it. I just wanted to do it cause it was fun and it was interesting and it was a new challenge, a new frontier, you know, the the internet was a new place for publishing and it was really exciting. Um, and I just found that it was my thing. I mean, you never know. I mean, think about all the people that like never picked up a paintbrush, but they could be the next Picasso. Mm-hmm. It's just, they never picked up the paintbrush. Seriously.
0: You just don't know what you're destined to be until you've tried things. That's very true. I can certainly relate to that 100%. I am not a photographer by training and just started doing what I did uh, because I wanted to. You know, so no, that makes perfect sense. You have the eye. Yeah, I I have other things that make up for the lack of formal training. (laughs) Uh, I think having the eye is certainly one of them, but it's also... I think there's something to be said, and maybe you can talk to that for a second, something to be said about starting something in which you're not an expert because you bring a a set of fresh eyes to a field that may need some new blood. I agree. Like
1: when I started Design Milk, I didn't think anything of it. Like, But looking back, I was, I guess, doing that because there weren't a whole lot of people writing about design from a layperson consumer perspective out there. There was a couple, um, but not too many. And so, you know, I think that was really helpful in setting me apart from other sites that may have already been publishing or other magazines that are about design. It's just, it's a, it was a different perspective. And I think that that's a really great piece of advice too, is like making sure you can find your voice. Because there's so much noise right now, especially on the internet, that it's very difficult to set yourself apart, but you really need to find out like who you are. And that's really something I credit art with doing, not necessarily design milk, but Mm -hmm. art has really helped me understand, like better understand who I am, what my voice is and where I fit in. So that was really important.
0: I would go as far as saying that finding your voice is critical to success quote unquote in the sense that yeah if you do anything and there's a lot of competition you have to find a way to set yourself apart either it's mm-hmm. by doing things a little differently or by having a vision that's unique and and you can show things in a different way if you're in a visual field i think that's extremely important and uh, and it's a skill that not many designers have because they may have the talent and uh and the ability to design great spaces or buildings mm-hmm. but very often there's a lack as far as I can see there's a lack of the having the ability to uh to talk about those projects in a way that expresses that vision.
1: Right. Yes, and one of the things you said earlier is also important to mention is coming at something as a novice, a rookie or with fresh eyes, that's something that I think is really interesting because, you know, the people who are trained in a profession are going to come at a a new project from a totally different angle um, or perspective Mm -hmm. than the person who's just done it based on either experience or is new to it. So having fresh eyes at something is an awesome perspective to have I think
0: I think we both agree on that <laughs> we're gonna close down soon I have a couple more quick questions for you yeah sure one question that I like to ask if you picture yourself and it may sound a little grim but it's not meant to be if you picture yourself <laughs> on your deathbed um, what kind of legacy would you like to leave it's a really good question
1: Honestly, I don't really care about my legacy. (laughs) The only thing I want is for me to have given my daughter all of the tools she needs to navigate through the world. That's incredibly important to me. I would also like to have helped more people, like as many designers and artists as I can, helping them get the word out about their work. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I started the website I would love to just continue to do that work in one way or another whether it's on a website or who knows what it'll be like on my deathbed is probably going to be like some sort of crazy futuristic thing the way it maybe it's like a chip implanted in your brain and we just zap delivery right into your brain I don't know but I would like to continue to do that kind of work as much as possible and share beautiful art With as many people as possible. But, you know, I don't really care about whether or not those things are attributed to Jamie Derringer. I just care that they happen.
0: So it's more about uh, giving than anything, correct?
1: Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to remember who I am, you know, years after my death anyway, unless I do something crazy like, you know, invent something new, which is probably not going to happen. So, you know, it's more important that I affect the lives of many, many people in a way that helps them and then help in in turn helps their future generations of people
0: it's a very noble cause and uh i'm impressed i have to say (laughs) it's good that's a great legacy as far as i'm concerned I, uh, i really care about
1: the design community and i care about art and i think it's really important for us to continue to share those things as much as possible um especially with young kids. I mean, that's something that I've been thinking a lot about is how can we get more um, education about design and art and the creative fields into, you know, elementary schools, preschools. Like, I mean, I know they do lots of arts and crafts, but I, I wonder if there's more that could be done to help them understand that there's a lot of great creative careers out there that they could do for for a
0: living. And I think that's a very important topic to talk about because public schools tend to take creativity out of the equation. Mm -hmm. And like you, I firmly believe that being creative at an early age uh, makes you a better person growing up.
1: Yeah, you can problem solve better when you're creative because you can think outside the box, and that's really, really important. Um, And I also think it's something important to stress in corporations that might not be giving enough creative time to the people in, on their teams that are are the creatives, you know, like just time to think or sit around and brainstorm. I mean, creative people need that. And um, a lot of times it's, it's not there for them. It's not supported by their company.
0: Yeah. And I'd go one step further in saying that everybody is inherently creative because you just look at kids playing and all you see is creativity and it's just beaten out of us uh, as we grow up hmm. uh, which is kind of sad and some people m- manage to kind of stay under the radar and stay more creative than others and others not so much yeah. but yeah i agree with you like more creativity in the world in general would certainly make the world a better place to live there's no question about that i agree so my last question for you, and it's becoming customary, I ask every guest, stones or beetles?
1: That's a great question. I, can, I My gut reaction is stones, but like, I I think it's beetles. I think I got to go with the beetles. They made, uh, do you want to know why? I don't really. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> of course I do. No, <laughs> no. I wouldn't about... ask
0: the question if I didn't want to know. So the
1: stones, I think are great. And I like them better, just, I like their music better, Mm -hmm. but I think the Beatles changed things. And so sometimes you have to, if you don't like the, what somebody does, you still have to give them credit for making a very important contribution to the, you know, the way things are done. So you kind of got to give them credit for changing music forever.
0: Mm-hmm. so in your mind how did they change music
1: oh my gosh how did the beatles change music well i mean it's like rock and roll that was like huge
0: uh, that's a great answer there's no wrong answer to that <laughs> I question I mean, I, i'm uh, the, the, uh, so I'm, much i I'm mean i'm personally a stones fan but i To be perfectly transparent, I don't know the Beatles that well.
1: I mean, I've listened to so much Beatles. And I I really, there are some songs I absolutely love. There are some songs I don't like. Overall, I like the Stones better as a band. But the Beatles, I mean, they contributed so much in such a short period of time. I mean, if you look at how long the Stones have been together, right, and been around making music, and you look at the Beatles, it was like this teeny tiny sliver of time. It was crazy how -hmm. much they contributed musically. I mean, the way that they did, I was just watching a documentary about them. They were like talking about how they would layer their pianos and their vocals in different ways, and it was just really fascinating. Uh, And I think that, you know, the way that they made their music was really interesting too. And all the, you know, the travel that they did and all of the, um, cultural influences to their music i don't know there's a lot
0: (laughs) well that's great you've inspired me to start looking into them more so i'm probably going to start doing that
1: yeah if you like easter eggs you'll love the
0: beatles (laughs) (laughs) well i want to thank you for your time it was a, a really interesting interview and i hope we can keep the conversation going in the future
1: well thanks for asking me it's been really fun all right thank
0: you hi again everyone Arno here I really hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did remember that you can find us online at RVLTR.studio or on Instagram and Twitter at revelator underscore TO until next time salut